0: Are you, I fly home uh, tomorrow. Um, I'm in Bogota. Oh, cool. Okay, good. Which I'm obsessed with, and I, I want to live here. Really? You like it that much?
1: It's so good. Did you yeah. go elsewhere in Colombia?
0: Uh, not this trip, but, but I, you... I, I have been to uh, Medellin.
1: Yeah, I thought you, I kind of remembered talking about I that. I did the Pablo you. tour because I'm did... trashy. That was my next question. I mean, I would too. How can you not? How can you not? Yeah. 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 It's like going to Chicago
0: and not being like uh Al Capone lived here. I was just yeah. going to say the gangsters in Chicago, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh a little more,
0: so, a little more recent, <laughs> you know, his body's yeah, that, still on the street <laughs> but uh. yeah. Right,
1: right. Um so very excited to to talk today. I'm actually probably too excited to talk about what we're talking about today, which is subjunctives also I love as, subjunctives. It's a, such a headache for everyone learning a foreign language. Um but I, I think what I love about it in English is that it kind of refuses to die. Like there's, there's really only a few cases, and we'll get into this where where you still will see it, uh, or or it's still recognizable as a subjunctive. But it's just kind of this persistent thing in English. Um, so I, I kind of I'm I'm always tickled when I come across it, uh, and when it's used correctly. Um, and we'll get into a few songs where it's manifestly not used correctly. So um we'll give producer Amanda quite a bit to play with there. Um have you gotten up to this in your Duolingo Spanish? Um, no, I don't think I'm this advanced yet in my yeah. Duolingo Spanish. I, I feel like it's kind of subjunctive and and imperfect subjunctive especially, um, I think are like the last tenses you, you really get to in Spanish or, or any romance language.
0: Um, yeah, I'm just currently buying dresses. That's really where
1: I am. at the Oh, store. you you are doing all like the the like dress type language. Like the it's a lot of
0: it's a lot of lot of dress language. A lot of you know. I, I know words I don't use in English, but I, things like you know, where is my purse? Uh... Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and a bunch of reflexive verbs. If I am remembering my Spanish correctly, like everything's dress oneself, that sort of thing. Um. It's, but you might, it's,
0: it's it's a bit bewildering, you know the the tenses. It's complicated.
1: Yeah, yeah. There and there are and Spanish is even more. There are more, at least more that you actually use than in Italian. I remember. Um, so yeah, I mean they're, they're otherwise very similar grammatically. These are the two that I've studied, so they're the the closest at hand to me. Although it's been a while in in either case. Um, I remember stuff like that—the vocab and parts of the body—for whatever reason, never stuck with me. Like, I, I, I might know the word for like arm and leg, but anything beyond that, like knee, elbow, thing, things like that, I just for whatever reason, I never retain those words very well. That's
0: that's beyond unit one. <laughs> oh, you're still. <laughs> I'm, I'm 186 days in, and
1: it's like I'm still on uh fundamentals. And you're so well traveled in Latin America now. It's like you've got this. Uh, I, I don't know. I thought you'd be. I thought you'd be. I thought you'd be in unit my, two at least. No,
0: my my restaurant Spanish is amazing. You're right?
1: Yeah. I can yeah. read a menu like nobody's business. But uh, oh man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like my restaurant Tagalog is not half bad. Now we were at a we were at a, a Philippine street fair this past weekend, and um, I actually ordered something that was not on the menu at one of these places because I remembered the word for, so it was like there, there was a type of squid dish and I mixed that up with the word I already knew for squid. So I made this mistake, but it was kind of, I was kind of proud of it because I retained some Tagalog restaurant vocab. Was it good? Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. It wasn't, it wasn't worth the wait in line. This, this place was like, it had a line that was like an avenue long basically, Um, and it it was okay. I mean, it was pretty good, but I've, I I think my wife agreed that we've had better and it wasn't worth like, I mean, it was legitimately like an hour wait in this line. (laughs) So I think it's one of those things where like people were just getting in line because there was a line, like everyone was expecting something amazing because of the length of the line. And then it turned out that they, the reason for the line was they only had two grill tops going. So, you know,
0: The poor squid had to wait
1: Yeah (laughs) Well it was already dead (laughs) What's a a few more minutes Before it gets thrown on the grill sleep, And wouldn't sleep And what would I do If I shouldn't sleep Bewitched Bothered And bewildered
0: Am I? Hi, I'm Ryan Davis, and I'm Mike Laws, and this is Red Pen, a grammar podcast.
1: So, okay, into subjunctives here, um, and I think we need to define this, um, and I, I think especially because we're, we're going to talk in terms of mood um, and there, in the reference guides, you'll see this referred to as a tense or as a mood, kind of interchangeably. Um, I guess what I, the way I like to think of it is, it it it's conveying something to you about the the mood of the speaker. So it's um, it's telling you about the speaker's stance, basically, like. Um, whether they're expressing doubt or hopefulness, or demanding something, it's just sort of an indicator of mood in that way. That's that's one category of use. The other category of use is that you're expressing something that runs counter to fact, um, or counterfactual, uh, as you might you might see in one of these reference manuals. Um, so I think those are the two broad headings that you can file subjunctives under either expressing a mood or expressing something that is not fact. Um, To make this more concrete, um, give you an example. Um, If Ryan were up to it, he would talk more or whatever. (laughs) Uh, That's, that's telling you that in fact, Ryan is not up to it, but on the condition that he were again, there's that subjunctive, he would do whatever. So the sort of how you're clued into this is that there's often not always, but often an if clause, uh, in the first part of the setup, if Ryan were up to it and then in the second where you're, you're completing this thought, you have a conditional tense. He would talk more. Um, so that's where you see it for the most part. I had no idea that th- this was in decline. Yeah. It was um, like an idea. Yeah. And we'll get into more cases where it, it used to be, you used to see the subjunctive mood where you don't anymore, where it's just out of fashion and it and it reads as very like, you know, 19th century and sort of archaic at this point. Um, the example I just gave, I think is one where you do still see it. So it it is still in play. Um, although as we'll see when, when we look at some examples of lyrics, a lot of people don't, a lot of people there would say if Ryan was up to it, he would, whatever. Um, so yeah, I think it, it is in decline. There, there's still just a handful of cases in English, um, where, where you do see it. Um. You know, uh, if you look in Chicago, for example, the Chicago Manual of Style, their their basic entry on subjunctive, it starts with this clause. Although the subjunctive mood no longer appears with much frequency, and then it goes on to tell you all about how it is still useful um, in these in these handful of cases. But that should clue you into how how little used it has become in English. So I, I think you're right that. To, to say that it's in decline or it's long been in decline in English
0: I like the old fashioned flowers, violets are for me, have them made in diamonds by the man at Tiffany, I want an old fashioned house with an old fashioned fence and an old fashioned millionaire
1: It can also be hard to tell when something is in that subjunctive tense because the, the form that it takes isn't Any different from the normal past tense so what was that example if Ryan felt up to it or if I felt up to it I mean I felt is just your your standard uh, preterite or standard past tense you know it doesn't it doesn't sound all that strange whereas um, if if Ryan were up to it is kind of strange to the to the ear I mean It sounds natural enough to us because we're, you know, native English speakers. But if you were looking at a a conjugation chart for the verb to be, um, it wouldn't normally be the third person, Ryan, next to the word were. It would be was. That's the indicative form of it. Or I guess is. So you'd have Ryan is this, Ryan was that. You'd never, except for the subjunctive here, see Ryan were. That's, that's very strange or the first person I were, you know, um, it's, I am, I was very rarely do you see that form of the verb butted up next to the first or the third person. Um, so that's, that's, I mean, those other uses, like the one, the example you just gave, it is still the subjunctive mood. It's just that the verb form is more standard. Uh, or something that you're used to seeing if you had those conjugation charts, like if you were learning English from coming from another language background um they would be those those more standard forms um Ryan felt wouldn't you know the you'd see that in a lot of different cases, not just the subjunctive um and Chicago notes that uh despite the decline of this tense, this mood. It does persist in in certain stock expressions as well. So when you see things like perish the thought or heaven help us or be that as it may. Be that Um, as it may, I think you don't see as much anymore. I don't really think you see any of those all that much. I mean, perish the thought. thought. I'm going to say that at least once today. (laughs) Were you recording Red Pen again, Ryan? (laughs) yeah it's like your friends can always tell when when you're fresh from the recording (laughs) you've got these these strange like 1950s or earlier stock expressions yeah um you know heaven help us or like heaven forfend and i'm always quoting garner (laughs) we (laughs) get it (laughs) oh we're gonna we're gonna get into lots of garner today um by the way did you see Annie west on twitter the uh the the recent post she had about what she how she imagines Brian Garner when she's listening to us. Yes, Fabio. I, I love that. It's like this almost looked like a renaissance era painting of Fabio. <laughs> I didn't google him cuz I didn't want to ruin the ruin the image. <laughs> but Yeah.
0: I feel like he looks more like an accountant or something.
1: Probably a bit more. I mean, he is he is an attorney. They don't tend to look like Fabio. I mean, you know, maybe maybe there Sometimes. are a couple a couple yeah. beefcake attorneys out there. Sure. Fabio um, could
0: be an attorney, okay, if he had put his mind to it. <laughs>
1: I mean, Fabio is known as a like a fairly – am I mixing him up with someone else? I was thinking Fabio is like a pretty intelligent dude, but maybe not.
0: Whenever I, I think about Fabio, I think of the time he went on the roller coaster
1: and the bird hit and his he got face. hit by the bird. I was just <laughs> thinking about that too. Cold, it's time to
0: go home. That is forever, and that's that's the only image that comes to mind.
1: I mean, that's such, like, if it was going to happen to anyone, it had to happen to this, like, perfectly symmetrical, perfect, you know, the guy known for having the looks. It's just, yeah, it's one of those amazing universe, you've done it again type moments. Check this out. $1,100 is exactly what I charge for acting classes. No, it isn't.
0: Yeah. Well, what are the chits?
1: (laughs) Universe? you've done it again so okay so getting getting back to the subjunctive. (laughs) Get away from fabio yeah away from (laughs) fabio and back to back to fine points of grammar here um yeah I, i was gonna quote garner uh because i think he's helpful in terms of when you use this and what it is the subjunctive so he says it and this is i think this boils it down uh to to the essentials um really well. It just says the subjunctive expresses something hypothetical or contrary to fact. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, I think is bare bones an explanation as, as you can get. Um, he does elaborate a bit. He says, in addition to that contrary to fact category, you've got doubt, wishfulness, possibility, demand, and the like. So for example, the crowd demanded that she be heard. And again, there you've got this strange sounding verb form. In fact, it's the unconjugated infinitive form of to be um, where usually you would you would have she is heard. She was heard. Instead, here you have the unconjugated she be heard. Um, And that that's just a, a you know, it's subjunctive when you see it take that form because. In nowhere else would you have that form butted up next to that um that person, the third person singular she there um, he also says that and again uh, getting back to what we touched on up top um he says it's a mood uh, or a conjugational category that shows something about the speaker's attitude toward the action um so if you if if you were to say just he writes. That's a factual attitude he writes. It's a fact. It's indicative. But if you have this, if he wrote, that's a conditional attitude, um, as the if makes clear. So you have the subjunctive mood, if he wrote. Um, And he goes on to give you six contexts for for when this is used. Um, And I, I don't know how useful this really is if you're just trying to decide if something should be subjunctive versus that indicative or factual voicing. Uh, if you're trying to decide that on the fly, but anyway, these in the hopes that this is useful to someone, um, here are those six, uh, uh, contexts that he gives for this. So conditions contrary to fact, like we've said. So for example, if I were king or if I were king, um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) gotta get the, the stress right there. Um, so the indicative there would be I am, but since I'm manifestly not a king of anything, it's if I were king. So you have were, I were, uh, or suppositions. If I were to go, I wouldn't be able to finish this project. Um, wishes. I wish that I were able to play piano, not I wish that I was. Uh, and I think both of those, the suppositions and wishes, uh, I think, you could kind of lump them together with those statements contrary to fact. I mean, you're saying, "I wish that I were able to play piano because I am not able to play piano." So right. it runs counter to fact. Um, wish is still popular, less less in decline than uh,
0: than than other things. People people like a good wish. Yeah, I think I, we're I in wish a, something at least once a day.
1: Me too. Me too. I think we're in that yeah. era of of hopefulness.
0: I wish Mike would send the podcast link
1: (laughs) (laughs) We did have that happen just before I was was very slow If Mike were a little faster In sending this podcast link I could click it So, yeah, I think those those first three of these six categories all kind of go together um, for me they're they're all counterfactual um, but then demands and commands is his fourth uh, context category I think that is, that's a little different so I insisted that he go is his example there um, normally you'd have he goes that would be your your factual uh, context but since this isn't quite a fact it's it's telling you more about the the speakers or the, the eye yeah, yeah the desire um or they're demanding something, but yeah it it tells you more about their stance on this than an actual point of fact um the subjunctive is in order there um and then going along with that a little softer than a demand or a command is a suggestion or a proposal, <laughs> so I suggest that she think about it a little longer and you have she think normally, uh, indicative or factual, you'd have she thinks. Um, but here you're, you're learning more about the I who wants to suggest that she think, then you, um, you know, it's, it's not a statement of fact there. Um, and then six, and finally statements of necessity. So it's necessary that they be there, um, or like it's essential that they be there, things like that. Um, and again, you have that they be. That's the only time you'd see that in English uh, is with the subjunctive mood. Um, and again, I just want to uh, quickly touch on the forms that these take. So you have what what's usually a preterite conjugation um, or specifically the second person singular or the first, second, or third person plural. So... Getting back to our example of to be, you have were, so that's the second person singular, you were. It's also the first, second, or third person plural, we were, you all were, they were. That's what's used to form the subjunctive in some of these cases, not all. But again, you have like, if I were you, I wouldn't do that. So you have I were, where normally it would be was. If she were going, you know, she'd bring cake or whatever. Um, and you have you have she were rather than she was. And then in others, it's the unconjugated infinitive form. So in this case, be um, I demand that they be there, or it's essential that he go. Um so yeah. And then when it's one versus the other, I think is just kind of an idiomatic thing. Like I demand that he be there versus I you know, it's I don't know that there's any quick way to to determine whether it's that unconjugated form versus that um, second person singular form. I think it's just an idiomatic thing. Um, and getting back to another thing that we touched on up top, uh, just briefly on these, these forms passing out of fashion, um, where... He, I wanted to just give a couple of examples that uh, Garner also cites uh, elsewhere in his usage manual about things that you used to hear that are subjunctive mood that today would strike us as very uh, archaic. Gives a couple of examples like this. You want to read this first one from Leslie Scarman Ryan. Its very
0: existence is therefore a bulwark against oppression and tyranny, no matter who be the potential oppressor or tyrant.
1: Yeah, and the, that's the 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 be there, um, yeah. no matter who be the potential oppressor or tyrant. I mean, it's you know it is that subjunctive mood, yeah. but it sounds like something that you'd hear in I don't know, like Game of Thrones or something like oh, that.
0: It's literally from a book called English Law, The New Dimension.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, which is, but that's from 1974, which yeah. was, when I read this, I was expecting it to be from like 1774.
0: You the know? 70s are quite a long time ago, Mike. I don't know if you've been Yeah, that's track. true. <laughs>
1: that is, that is 50 years ago now. <laughs> it's half a century ago, but still, you know, there, there's writers we still read from the 70s, like for pleasure, not, not because we're assigned them in school. I just, I was expecting that to be much older than it actually was. Um, and I guess to, to modernize that or to put it in a form that you, you'd be more likely to hear now that wouldn't strike you as that old sort of fusty sounding English. You just have no matter who the potential oppressor or tyrant is. Um, so just making it indicative, uh, rather than subjunctive voice. And I think he's spot on to say that, that, you know, even though it's not incorrect to use the subjunctive subjunctive there, and in fact might be, by the book more correct it's it's just a case where it's now it now sounds uh like an archaism to to do it that way um you want to give us the second one of these (laughs) i love this one yeah
0: (laughs) the word processor is such a marvelous machine and no sensible writer
1: if such there be should scorn it (laughs) (laughs) right yeah 1984 I mean, and this one, yeah, so it's even, it's 10 yeah. years, 10 years newer than that last example. Um, and this one to me, is, there's something additionally sort of irksome about this. And, and that is that it it's going out of its way to be nasty. Like, yeah, this guy. So, this guy's saying the word process, he's like exalting the word <laughs> processor, but then putting down human writers. <laughs> like, the word processor is this marvelous machine, and no sensible writer, if such there even be, <laughs> should scorn it. And it's like, yeah, I, I think I, my advice here would just be to eliminate that clause entirely. Like, and no sensible writer should scorn it. Fine,
0: Stephen, Stephen, Stephen uh, White's a funny guy, you know. And I remember the the written word, uh, you know. I read that back in the 80s, and uh, it's, it's uh, did a
1: little... <laughs> did you really? <laughs> no. What? Okay, yeah. I was gonna say I thought there there was a chance that maybe this was like yeah. a sign, you're, or maybe like I do there. I do
0: like I do like the little snark though. He's a he's a he's he's a snarky guy.
1: Yeah, apparently. Although you know, it, it did just bring to mind that this being such a short excerpt like maybe maybe we're being a little hard on him and and or maybe i am anyway and this maybe it was done for comic effect i mean i have to see the rest of the paragraph to really tell so i think stephen white you're off the hook for now until i read the rest of the written word from 1984 which there's no chance that's gonna happen um but yeah if such there be i think I think you could use it now for, for comic effect, if that's the aim. But, it, yeah, it does sound sort of backwards at this point. Um, so, yeah, again, I think Garner he is... Was, he was um, right
0: about the word processor. It ended up having legs.
1: That's true. Yeah, still using it today. I mean, yeah, he he wasn't wrong about that. It is a marvelous machine too. I mean even, even that sounds so like it's it's like Mr. Burns talking about it talking is. about the autogyro or something. Like this is a marvelous machine. Get you to Siam in less than twenty-four hours. Yes, I'd
0: like to send this letter to the Prussian consulate in Siam by aeromail. Am I too late for the four thirty autogyro? Oh I better look in the manual. Oh, the ignorance.
1: Okay, so I had a few examples uh, where again, citing, citing Garner here, our favorite, um, where the subjunctive is called for, and then some cases where it's not, or where you might overcorrect and put it where it doesn't belong. So places where it is called for, um, and this, this comes up a fair amount, the difference between as if and as though, uh, where I think they're, they're, these, these phrasings are really, really close Um, but there is a subtle distinction in in how they're used that involves the subjunctive. Um, So you might see something like as if he were a god. So as if sort of sets you up for something more counterfactual or more hypothetical, and in so doing, sets you up for the subjunctive mood. So if you see as if you're expecting something that is, is clearly not a fact. So I treated him as if he were a God, but he's obviously not, you know, so as if goes nicely with that subjunctive voice. Um, whereas as though there, there might be more of a hint of plausibility. It's less hypothetical. Like the the example Garner gives is it looks as though it might rain. Um, or it, it, you know, it looks as though it's raining, or so it, that kind of thing. So it, it's it's just not as strong a suggestion of counterfactuality. I guess is how you might be able to put it. So as if goes nicely with the subjunctive. As though, maybe not. Maybe you're leaning more toward the that standard indicative phrasing there. Um. And then he gives Garner again, I'm talking about here, uh, gives a few examples of those, those, um, they're kind of like the stock phrases that we'd mentioned up top that the Chicago manual had mentioned. Um, so things like come what may, or, uh, it really anything was like, like come Friday, I'll be ready to go to the beach that, that kind of phrasing, um, where, there's there's an inversion happening there too. Um, come Friday is is kind of like saying when Friday comes. Um, that would be how you'd put it in that more standard indicative uh, voice or mood. But when you're saying come Friday, that's that subjunctive kind of um, kind of phrasing, and it's it's just a, one of those set things. It's idiomatic. It's stock. Um, but another example of, of the subjunctive mood there. The Queen. Yeah, there's there's another one. Um, so there, that, and that one almost you're almost getting into the, too soon with that one. I apologize. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> that's true too. Yeah, jeez, I have some tact, Ryan. I mean, <laughs> I'm still fresh in her in her grave. Um, but yeah, long live the Queen. These are examples of it, more it, of these idiomatic phrases um, where the subjunctive just kind of lives on, um, as it were you Hear quite a bit, that's one of my favorite. I, I use that a lot. Um, as <laughs> listeners of this podcast will know, be
0: that as it may, mm-hmm.
1: another one. Uh, and then what Garner says is the very literary would that it were, or would you know, you when you're willing something or wishing, I guess you're conveying a wish there that something would happen, like would that it were so, but it's not, so that's why that, yeah, lives on. And that's pretty much counter- a Jane, you know,
0: yeah. Jane Austen and and uh, that era, you don't see would that. Would that it were used in like Dean you Koontz? Know? Yeah, right. Yeah,
1: yeah. No airport thrillers with that. Tell <laughs> so your line exactly as I'm about to, just as I'm about to do. Sure. Okay. Would the were so simple? Ooh. Would that it were so simple? Would that it were so simple? Would that it were so simple? My dear boy, why do you say that? Why do you say twir? Will you say say it like I said? Yes. But Would that it were so simple? Would that it were so simple? It's funny you go back to Jane Austen for that though, because every time I hear that or come across that, I think of uh, Tobias from Arrested Development. <laughs> like I think he he does he's that a Jane Austen type once. character. Yeah. yeah, yeah, classic Jane Austen. Uh, <laughs> a lot of never nudes in Austen. <laughs> People don't know. <laughs> That's true. They're not. They're not really walking around naked so much in in Jane Austen. Um, or they've yeah. I mean, they've got jean shorts on it at, at the very least. Jean <laughs> jean short cutoffs. Um. Another good one uh, is the phrasings like be they. Um, So like um, be like be they uh, politicians or secretaries or whoever. When you're saying it's it's kind of like you're saying whether they are waitresses or secretaries or politicians, um, then you're completing your thought, obviously. But instead of phrasing it that way, you have that same inversion going on. So it's be they whatever um and i think you do see that one a fair amount still like that that one kind of endures more than um more than that would phrasing that we just talked about does um and similarly with the word lest which uh i feel like i've Maybe I just use it a lot or I, 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 mean, I don't think that's a good marker of, of, of its popularity. That's true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's... You're going out of your way to, <laughs> to use less. distance yourself from folks with the words you choose.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to be as alienating as possible <laughs> using these like the alienist Henry Laws. words. Yeah. Another great book, by the way. Good book. Um, although I didn't think much of the show. I, I kind of gave up. Oh, on the it. show is so, so not good yeah yeah it just felt like that
0: like second tier um well, it got passed down from like serious people to you know <laughs> fx eventually
1: is that what happened i uh, i couldn't tell if that because it it seems like it, it happened really late for i mean yeah, that it was around. A really, a
0: while. it was like they, uh, scorsese was in talks and spike lee was in talks and then ended up on fx as so like a,
1: <laughs> a bad yeah uh, yeah i like i could have seen um like I mean, I'm saying this because he did the Nick, but Steven Soderbergh or someone like that. Yeah, but or Scorsese, like you said. I mean, like the someone who's done a period piece from around that same era. You know, you know what New else?
0: that's never been made and has been passed around many million times. Is Devil in the White City, which is an, an obvious great movie.
1: I I don't know about that one. Is that uh? Is that also set in that? That it's same... in Chicago during the World's Fair.
0: Um, it's about that that serial killer and uh, Olmstead who's, like, designing the World's Fair. It's, like, a big epic kind of, like, historical novel. It's oh, got, like, a cool. lot of alienist vibes to it. Yeah, And
1: that's, like, when's the World's Fair? Is that, like, 1908? Or... I think so. Yeah, if there to... be a World's Fair. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. So okay, so getting back to less, yes. that was the next example. That's, that's another one where you do it, to the extent that you see it anywhere anymore, it's it's followed by a verb in the subjunctive mood. So lest there be any doubt, or um, you know, lest uh, I'm going to quote from there's there's uh, a Village Voice article from 1997 called "Waiting for Radovan," which was about the war criminal Radovan Karadzic. The Bosnian Serb military leader is reportedly leery of leaving the self-proclaimed Republic of of Srpska, lest he be dragged off to the Hague. Blah, blah, blah. Um, So you have lest he be. And again, that's that uh, unconjugated to be infinitive form that's in the subjunctive mood there. So lest he be dragged off. Uh, You would never, to, to give you the example of how strange this would sound if it weren't subjunctive, and by the way, I just use the subjunctive in saying that um, you would never see lest he is dragged off to the Hague, or you shouldn't anyway. It just just doesn't sound right. Like lest always introduces a subjunctive um, tense.
0: And before we we leave this section, I just want to flag that in in 1996, the Houston Chronicle had an article entitled "Color from Paprika Gives Food a Boost." <laughs> Lest it
1: burn Yeah I didn't even God I didn't even notice that in here I saw the example but I didn't Pop week of
0: making news in the 90s Yeah everyone was Slow news day
1: (laughs) Slow news decade I think Add
0: lettuce to your salad Yeah (laughs) Insightful
1: (laughs) Yeah that green really makes it pop (laughs) Green from vegetables Amazing
0: um, Can you imagine getting pitched that in the in the Chronicle? Like there's all sitting around the <laughs> desk and she's like, well, look,
1: I had paprika last week and gave my meal boost. <laughs> my meal was a fiery red. Uh, and OK, so I just had one other example of where where you'll see this or where you should see it um, in addition to less uh, is suffice it to say Um which I think, again, maybe my barometer is off a little, but I think you do see that one a fair amount. Um, Suffice it to say that blah, blah, blah. That's technically a subjunctive mood there. It's the same as, again, it involves that inversion. It's the same as the indicative it suffices to say. It's just a subjunctive stock version of that. Um, And just additionally on this point... um, I, I learned from garner's guide that suffice to say is wrong you need that it in there um suffice to say makes no sense once you once you recognize this as an inversion of it suffices to say um, you see that all the time too i know and i, I think i say it all the time right yeah. all right had said it all the time Opposite issue. Um, there are places where it should have been used. I guess this is kind of going along with that. There's places that it should have been used that that it wasn't, or that it's um, you'll you'll be tempted not to use the, these subjunctive forms, but it would be better if you did. And I think that's the good the, a good way to phrase it. Um, Chicago Manual of Style does this. They say they'll give you an example and say poor use. And then better use, or just poor and better. So, for example, they have poor. If it wasn't for your help, I never would have found the place. Better, if it weren't for your help, I never would have found the place. Um, because, again, that that's that, it's going along with the uh, counterfactual thing there. If it weren't for your help, but I did have your help. So I'm just imagining what the world would have been like if I didn't have the fact of your helping me. Um, so the subjunctive is in order there. And a, another clue there is that that the completion of the thought, the final clause, is in that conditional tense. I never would have found the place if it weren't for your help. So conditional goes nicely with the subjunctive voice there. Um, and there, there's a few other examples. These from Garner of, of where writers have gotten this wrong. Um, you want to read this first one from sounds like a small paper in South Carolina
0: <clears throat> when the position potentially involves exercising the power of life and death over citizens it is essential that screening procedures are in place to keep from hiring people who are temporarily unsuited for the work oh sorry temperamentally unsuited for the work
1: oh well, either way they could be yeah. temporarily unsuited <laughs> or or temperamentally like by nature unsuited um yeah. So he he's going to say that that should be B. It is essential right. that screening procedures be in place. And that's just going along with one of those context categories that he had given earlier about um, expressing a desire for something. Or I have no demand. idea the context for
0: this, but I agree that if you have the power of life and death, you should be fit for that. You should be fit, should for, be that fit work. for the job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Makes Seems sense important. to me. Yeah. Makes sense
1: to me too. <laughs> Almost goes without saying, or you would you would hope so. Um, but I guess if you need to say it, then you're going to need that, uh, subjunctive voice to do it. Um, another one of these, uh, I felt, so this is from, actually it's from the New York Times, uh, from a story by Mary Willis from 1994 called How I Gave Up My Alias. Um, you want to read this one, Ryan?
0: I felt as though I was using an alias, a well-used and permanent one as the years went by, but alas...
1: nevertheless (laughs) nevertheless <laughs> but an alias nevertheless yeah. oh but an alias nevertheless <laughs> um yeah and again it's a similar thing where uh garner would say that she should have said i felt as though i were using an alias because in fact she wasn't um so it runs counter to fact there uh i mean i, mean, I want to read that again because it, it, it i i had my 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 cursor over there. yeah yeah over alias yeah
0: I felt as though I was using an alias, a well-used and permanent one as the years went by, but an alias nevertheless.
1: Yeah. um, And like that one to me, maybe because you, maybe because the subjunctive is still continuing its long descent into this use doesn't sound terrible. I felt as though I was using an alias. I mean, it sounds more, maybe more colloquial, more conversational, but because it this statement runs counter to fact, she wasn't using an alias, then you you need the subjunctive, or then the subjunctive is in order, at least uh, according to Garner writing this this usage manual. so and
0: here she's she's speaking of giving up her married name and he, taking back her given name or born name.
1: right, right. yeah. Um, so yeah, for that reason it's it's a counterfactual statement. Um, I felt as though I were using an alias, but I wasn't. It's sort of the, the reading there.
0: I noticed that you skipped the one uh, with the British farmers complaining
1: they might have to produce meat without mad cow disease. <laughs> oh, is that what that one's about? Yeah. I, yeah interesting. <laughs> Another very 90s uh, yeah. '90s problem in the world. And also, I, I should say, down uh, down where you are right now uh, in Colombia. isn't that one of the reasons that the there was supposed to be that transcontinental highway. Um, oh, that's been like, talked about for a long time. Yeah, through the the Darien yeah. Gap in at, at, uh, like northern Colombia and southern Panama. Um, I mean, I, I think there are additional reasons that never got completed. But yeah. one of them at the time, I, I remember, was like trying to keep cattle out from from South America that might have uh, hoof and mouth disease. Well, I have, I have uh, eaten
0: a lot of beef on this trip, so I hope that they've figured this out. Yeah, we'll seem, we'll know seems soon like you, enough. Say,
1: yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> bringing it back with you. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's bringing a mad cow to Bushwick. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, those, those countries are all known for having great beef, like as we've talked about on yeah. this podcast before. So I, I I feel like you'd hear more about it if they hadn't sorted that out by now. Do you recall the
0: uh,
1: let's get into the so the other problem, not where you probably should use the subjunctive, but where you probably shouldn't, even though you might be tempted to. Um, And Chicago, I think, is helpful here. There's a little entry where where they write indicative mood sentences sometimes resemble these subjunctive constructions, but aren't statements contrary to fact. And their example is, so you might be tempted to write, I called to see whether she were in. And I think you and I could agree that that just sounds wrong. I mean, I, I think Maybe this isn't the trickiest example that they've come up with here because it just that doesn't sound right to me. Uh, but they they say that's a poor use and it would be better as I called to see whether she was in. So she was just your normal uh, indicative there. Um, and I I guess the reason being that the 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 person doing the calling doesn't or the, the speaker doesn't know if she's in or out. It's not it's not really anything running counter to fact there. She might be in she might not be it's not. It's not so firmly counterfactual, I guess is how I would put it. So I called to see whether she was in, you know, whether right. kind of gives you the the idea that she could be she couldn't she or she might be she might not be. Um, and I think this is also helpful Chicago still Chicago manual style here. Um, they go on to write Although the subjunctive mood is often signaled by if, not every if takes a subjunctive verb. When the action or state might be true, but the writer does not know, the indicative is called for instead of the subjunctive. So I think that that previous example um, goes along with that. It might be the case that she's not in, but it might not be. Um so she might be in when, when you call and thus you don't use the subjunctive. You just use the indicative there. Um, The other, if Napoleon was in fact poisoned with arsenic
0: historians will need to reevaluate his associates. Yeah. And I I like (laughs) this
1: example a lot better because this, this gets you into where it's a little trickier or a little it's, it's, there's more gray area here, I think. Um, But it is illustrative of their, their point that, it might be true and the writer doesn't know so and it even has that 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 phrase in fact in there which i think is kind of the clue if napoleon was in fact poisoned so you have a possibility of factuality i guess is how i might put this thus it was and not were like it would it would be weird to say if napoleon were in fact poisoned because y- you have in fact jammed up next to the counterfactual or subjunctive phrasing you know so it's it's two things pulling in different directions there so i think this is a a better example um of why you would go indicative and not subjunctive here if in fact no if in fact napoleon was poisoned with arsenic historians will need is better to me than if napoleon were in fact poisoned with arsenic historians would need um just because you have that, that phrase, in fact, there, and like they're saying, it might be true, the writer doesn't know. But it's not so strongly counterfactual that you need to go subjunctive there.
0: And just a flag, um, Napoleon.org, which <laughs> oh, I God. imagine is a, <laughs> it's a serious website, um, you know, it, it, there was a lot of arsenic found in his hair,
1: so... Oh, interesting, yeah.
0: Yeah. Not so a there have sign.
1: been there have been developments in this recent. When's, <laughs> when's, this, when's this article from? <laughs> there have been it seems like a lot of a lot of
0: conversation around uh, Napoleon and whether or not he was poisoned with uh, with arsenic.
1: Yeah, I was wondering where this yeah. where this came from. I didn't know there was such a debate as to how he. Uh, yeah. Yeah, how he met his demise in 1995 at the
0: Saclay Nuclear Research Center in France. Mm. Uh, they did a they did an analysis, and they found significant levels of arsenic in the emperor's uh,
1: hair. Wow, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I did wonder about this. So time example. to reevaluate.
0: Time to reevaluate his associates.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Forget everything you thought you knew about Napoleon and arsenic. Um. And another, going along with this, um, so if you see the phrase, if ever there was, and wonder if it should be, if ever there were, Brian Garner is here to tell you that, no, you should leave it, if ever there was. So he writes, when posing a question beginning with one of these phrases, the writer or speaker inevitably means to raise a question of historical fact, not to state something contrary to fact. So the past indicative was, is called for, not the subjunctive were. So I guess you're saying if ever there was a person to accomplish this task, it was, uh, Napoleon or, or Napoleon's killer as, as it yeah. may have been Napoleon's assassin
0: killers. Yes. We don't know.
1: Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the indicative there is in order, um, because it's you, by virtue of this phrasing itself, if ever there was someone to do this, it was you know it's it's a you're asserting historical fact, um, or pointing to historical fact, not to historical counter fact, um, in which case you would have used the subjunctive. I'm going to see
0: Camelot uh, this weekend with my mother, and uh, there's a famous song. If ever I would
1: leave you. Ooh, yeah. Um, and that, so that's getting into, if ever I would leave you. Yeah, you have that conditional phrasing there. Uh, Garner brings up a point about this, like where you would see an if ever with a subjunctive phrase. And and that would be like, you'd, you'd have to use what I think is the imperfect subjunctive, which we haven't really touched on. Um, so you'd say like, if ever there had been, and I think you're, if ever there had been someone to do this, it would have been. So you have this sort of past phrasing in there. And I think that's the Camelot example you just gave you. If ever there, what was it again? If ever,
0: if ever I would leave you, if ever I would leave you. And yeah. he sings, he's, he's Sir Lancelot singing to Lady uh, Guinevere, and he's basically saying, "I, you know, I, I wouldn't leave you in summer because you're too beautiful. I wouldn't leave you in fall because you're too wonderful. So, you know, he's setting up all these uh, ways that he can't leave her.
1: Yeah. And the the overall thrust of the song is uh, but I never would right exactly yeah exactly. so it's a counterfactual so yeah perfect perfect example of the subjunctive at, at work there if ever I would leave you it wouldn't be in summer seeing you in summer I never would go your hair streaked with sunlight your lips red as play um and going along with that Ryan, we have a, a, a whole bunch of examples from pop music that uh some some singers have gotten this right some have gotten it horribly wrong uh, and sticking with um, sticking with show tunes you have the original the fiddler on the roof song gets it right if I were a rich man all day long I bump, if I were a wealthy man but when Gwen Stefani quotes from this many years later and says
0: she all the money in the world if I was a wealthy
1: she gets it wrong she changed the the verb tense there so she made it indicative rather than the subjunctive that that were that was in order um and I mean that's so that one to me is really interesting because she's you know it's clearly quoting the fiddler song, so she made a really conscious choice to change the the mood there. Um, from subjunctive, I'm a big to non. fan of
0: like of like uh, when that happened. Yeah, Jay Z's Hard Knock Life, fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm. You mean you yeah. mean just adopting these like standards old, old of show theater. tunes? Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's yeah. fun yeah I think so too I just think it's it's interesting that she I mean maybe it's as simple as were doesn't sound so great in this in her setting I mean like it's if I were a rich girl it's a little more mealy mouth than just saying if I was a rich girl which sounds more it's just a just from like a consonants point of view I think it, it does sound better um And then producer Amanda brought this to my attention. I didn't know about this, this song. Uh, Bon Jovi has a song called if I was your mother, um, that I, (laughs) I mean, Amanda, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So going on there. Oh my God. Amanda wrote to me that this was incorrect and also creepy as hell. Uh, so I, I'll I'll leave it to her to put a drop of this song in there and you can decide for yourself just how creepy the lyrics are to this one. If I was your mother. Uh but then Beyonce gets it right. Um, if I Were a Boy. If I Were a Boy. Even just for a day. I'd roll
0: out of bed in the morning and throw on what I wanted and go. Oh, I love that song. That's a cool song. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't
1: know this one before uh, Amanda brought it to my attention. And the
0: Reba McIntyre cover, not so bad either
1: oh interesting yeah and this next one i was going to bring up has a. I think this is a cover of anyway it's if i were your woman by the supremes if i were your woman and you are my man although i'd like to say that i prefer the gladys knight version that's You'd where i was going lamb, if you had the strength to walk out that um, but again, nice use of this subjunctive, if I were your woman, the idea being, but I'm not. Um Dolly Parton and Porter Wagner get it right with If You Were Mine. If you were mine,
0: if you were mine, you were mine I
1: wouldn't need no other.
0: If you were mine,
1: and if you were mine,
0: I would be blind.
1: If I Were a Carpenter by Johnny and June Cash. A lot of country using this junk set up. If I were a carpenter and you were a lady, would you marry me anyway? Would you have my baby? If you were a carpenter. That's a good little song. Yeah, yeah, I always like that one a lot.
0: I'd Um, hammer in the morning and hammer in the evening
1: no that's not that's, Wait, a that's, that's a different song that's that's isn't that, and isn't that one called if i was a hammer yes or is it if i were a hammer i think it's was right
0: I had a
1: <laughs> but it would fit with the carpenter theme as well so yeah it would yeah. right yeah you saw carpenter and just went right to that one you know i had a friend recently who was talking about um did you, did you ever listen to the Highwaymen, ryan like the country
0: supergroup, I'm, I'm I'm really into that that uh, the one song when they like sing about like, uh, um, it's like you know if I, I'm a sailor, I'm a I'm a soldier. That's like, exactly man. yeah. That
1: that song by the way is called Highway Man. So they're uh, yeah. they're one of the the many great examples of bands who wrote a song that is the band name, like and uh, covered by that. the
0: uh, uh, the female supergroup, the Highway Women. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah which yeah. is a,
1: a a modern retelling of that song, which is also quite good. So my buddy, when he was talking about this song, pointed out that um, everybody else's verse gives you some sort of like blue collar job. Like Willie, <laughs> you know, Willie Nelson's like if I was a lineman or I or it was like, I was a county lineman working I on I was this. a highwayman Along the
0: coach roads, I did ride.
1: Right. And then. Somewhat, Johnny Cash like,
0: goes to space. Yeah, Johnny
1: Cash comes in like it, Merle Haggard has some line about like it, one of them's a highwayman, obviously. Like, and then Johnny Cash comes in and it's like, "I was on a starship." Like, <laughs> it's like I fly a
0: starship across the universe divide,
1: and when I reach the other side, I'll find a place to rest my spirit if I can. All of a sudden this like very down to earth this sort of earthbound song just takes off into like it's it's like acid all of a sudden. It's like this this wild acid trip burst from, from Johnny <laughs> that was, Cash.
0: That was one of Johnny's wild wild times, probably. Yeah. I, guess I bet he they was... had a good time uh, recording that album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like a little bit of drinking went on. Imagine them
1: writing the lyrics to that. They're like, What's another what's another good blue-collar job? And Johnny's like, Oh, I was on a starship. <laughs> yeah um so they johnny and june get it right with if i were a carpenter but then uh staying in the the country orbit here uh miranda lambert does not get it right with her if i was a cowboy
0: cowboy, Uh,
1: and neither does prince with if i was your girlfriend although awesome song
0: When I was your man.
1: So, Ryan, for track changes this week, I just wanted to briefly touch on um, it, when I talked about might, could uh, being redundant last week. Um, this isn't really a correction so much as just a, an addition to, I, I could have brought up all these other, what they're called double modals. Um, I never knew that was an example of that. Might I call could. these Billy Bob Thornton-isms. Yeah. <laughs> might Sling, can. Sling isms
0: Might, <laughs> might had better. Might ought. I'm, I'm going to say might ought at least might once ought. today.
1: <laughs> I like might should have too. Or might. I think might supposed to uh, really sounds like slingblade. Might yeah. supposed to uh or might have used to that one's not so bad i don't think or might would yeah might, <laughs> might would and would. might could But yeah might, might supposed all... to i might supposed to i mean that <laughs> that's that's real bad i think um and yeah that's i think that's it for i didn't have anything else unless you did for track changes ryan well we might ought to talk about next week <laughs> we might could <laughs> uh i think maybe we're gonna take a week off here uh but then when we do get back to it Let's do agreement, because that's a a big thing I I see very common errors with in very carefully edited prose. Um, So, agreement. So, let's agree to do that, Ryan.
0: I love it. Well, until then, I'm Ryan Davis.
1: And I'm Mike Laws.
0: And this has been... Red Pen. A grammar podcast.
1: Red Pen is brought to you by the Columbia Journalism Review, and is Mike Laws, my fabulous co-host and good buddy, Ryan J. Davis and super producer, Amanda Derrick. So everybody, uh, listen and subscribe wherever you listen to
0: podcasts. uh, And leave questions for Mike on Grammar uh, right on the Apple Podcast app, and we can uh, respond to those in a future episode.
1: Lord, who made the lion and the lamb? You decreed I should be what I am. Would it spoil some vast eternal plan? I were a well-